We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome to Fireside Chat with Dr. June Knight. to the Lord about people on drugs, people that have died through drugs. Okay, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Titus. I don't think we've studied Titus before, but let's turn to Titus this morning. Lord, we just praise you and give you honor and glory today, Lord. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way with us in the Bible study this morning. Teach us, lead us, and guide us into all the truth today. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you and give you praise for being our teacher. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather every morning and to learn from you, Lord. So we give this broadcast to you today and thank you for teaching us about how not to be dependent upon drugs. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bride, listen. Before we get started in Titus, I want to encourage us uh, about what it is that we are uh, repenting for today. You know, our team, every morning, we go in the throne room and we repent on behalf of the body of Christ. Uh, we take the sins of these idols upon our shoulders and we get real with the Lord. So we uh, meet in a conference call every morning in private. We go into the throne room and uh, we address these things before the Lord. And what we do is we go in there and we tell the Lord, you know, Lord, we take the sins upon these, upon the church, because uh, these are our peoples, and we are one. The body of Christ is one before God. So if one sinned, we all sin. So we go before him, and we, we get real with him. We confess what we have done, and we repent. And what I love about it is we have a team of 12 people. And each of these 12 people will bring a different aspect to that idol. And God will deal with them about a certain subject. And when they get before the throne, they'll pray about it. And it has been really amazing. I mean, God has given them scriptures and everything. And um, it is really an awesome time because... We feel the presence of the Lord so thick in there. And uh, we just feel like we have God's undivided attention. Like, this is a divine, ordained thing of God. And God has specifically placed these people on this team 
for us to come together in unity every morning. And we're talking a consistent team that is committed to repentance and committed to the cause of taking the burdens of the church upon our shoulders like Moses did with the children of Israel, going before God on the mountain and addressing this. And it has really been amazing. Yesterday, I just want to give a report on this, Bride. Yesterday, we felt like we broke through something. We felt a shift happen yesterday in the kingdom. It was so powerful. Uh, when we was repenting about traditions. And see, we thought that we was repenting about traditions based upon, you know, like your average way of thinking what that is. But what the Holy Spirit revealed is because we're so stuck in the way we think God should do something, that we're not allowing Him to be different. We're not allowing Him to express Himself uh, in a very real way. And we talked about Jesus. You know, we were studying Mark. And Jesus wanted to do His healings different because He does not like repetitiveness. That's why He says, don't do those repetitive prayers. You know, talk to me. I'm your God. You know, uh, don't just keep doing the same thing all the time. Break it up. Be unique, you know. And that's what God did with his miracles. And so, anyways, it was really powerful yesterday. So, thank you for those that pray for this team. This team needs your prayers. We have got, uh, I think, 12 days left. We're almost done. And then we're going to do a live broadcast, by the way. Um, oh, my goodness. I just realized it is next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're doing a live broadcast uh, the day of the Super Bowl. And we're going to do it live, the prayer, at Super Bowl time, 530 in the evening, next Sunday evening. Uh, we're boycotting the Super Bowl. And we're going to pray God to heal us for our addiction to sports. And how do you know we're addicted to sports? Well, when the church is shut down on the day of Super Bowl and the Super, the NFL refuses to honor God uh, when it comes to the flag, and then they, they even ask the NFL, will you please ask them to stand just for the Super Bowl, you know, just to honor the country? And they're like, nope. So it's like, okay. Uh, we're going to boycott you and we're going to pray that this idol comes down because, see, the NFL used to do the Super Bowls on another day. And then they moved it to Sunday. Why on Sunday? Can't you move the Super Bowl, which we all enjoy? Listen, I was a cheerleading coach for 13 years. Why can't you move it to Saturday, a neutral day, you know, instead of doing it on Sunday or even on a Friday or whatever? But anyways... So, and then we're going to do a live broadcast on February 11th, the final night, and we're going to give a report on what God did uh, throughout the 40 days. So, today we're repenting on behalf of pharmacia and drugs. We have an epidemic in our country of drug abuse and pharmacy drugs. We lean upon drugs to satisfy our longing for God and healing. He is our healer. Lord, we repent for leaning upon drugs to heal our broken hearts and ailment first before we seek your face about it. Forgive us for leaving our first love. Forgive us for trusting in man-made products before we even seek your face for help and relief. We lean upon the drugs because our hearts are hurting and we want to coat or hide our pain. This has become an idol to us, Lord, and this is at epidemic levels in our country. God, please forgive us for finding satisfaction and relief in medicine and drugs. Lord, forgive the church for not loving our neighbors and being involved in their lives uh, as loving thy neighbors. Help us, Lord, to take care of our communities again and go out in the Great Commission. Lord, forgive us for smuggling drugs in this country. Forgive us for destroying families with this activity. Forgive us for all the suicides and deaths that have taken place through this tragic epidemic. 
Forgive our doctors who see people getting addicted to certain prescription drugs and they still provide them or prescribe them due to the kickback they get on these drugs. Forgive us for this corruption in our country. Heal us, Lord, and help us to lean upon you as our first love and not drugs. All right, bride, I want to give you a few scriptures before we get started in Titus for us to consider this morning. Okay, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-four. They give him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Romans seven eighteen through 20 For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. For I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Romans twelve one. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you, but such that is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Yes, we know that about who we hang around. Amen. Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on grace to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay, now we know that the devil is real. And I just want to say this real quick. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's with the principalities and the powers of the air. Okay, now there is some way that drugs are connected to demons. Uh, you know, I'm not the expert of demons, you know, like Dr. Philip Morris, he is. But drugs, there is a connection there. And that's why some people that have demons, drugs can calm them down. It's really weird how it works. But the main point is, is we do not need to go to drugs first before we go to the Lord. We have caused it to be our first love instead of seeking the Lord and asking him what to do about it. Okay, so let's go ahead and examine Titus. Don't y'all love it when we read these chapters? It's so amazing. All right, we're on Titus 1. Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, Aww. grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless, as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, 
not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding... Okay, pause right there. When it talks about being sober, bride, good morning, everybody, good morning. When it talks about being sober, it's talking about not being intoxicated, okay? Not being intoxicated by drugs or drinking, which alcohol is going to be one of our idols. We're not focused on that today, but we're focused specifically on drugs. Now, he's talking about the office of a bishop. Okay, let's say all ministers. The expectations on ministers are really, really higher than they are on the average Christian. Why? Because God holds them to a higher standard. I call it the spirit of excellence. Uh, what's really sad, and especially in this emergent church, they have so blurred the lines with any expectations, any, uh, you know, ideologies that you have to stand by. But the word clearly states what God expects of us. Let's keep going. Fast to the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Pause, 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 pause. This is what you're going to learn about the emergent church and the uh, ecumenical movement. They have done completely away with doctrine. They are blurring the lines of doctrine. And listen, church, doctrine is worth dying over. We need to stand by our doctrine. Jesus is coming back. I don't care where you know when, when you think he's going to come, as long as you know he's coming. That is a doctrine we will die by, because that is the hope of salvation, and that is the word of God. So Jesus is coming back. Salvation. Another thing that the emergent church does, they blur salvation. They say, oh, all you got to do is say, Jesus, come in. They're not telling them, you got to repent and turn. You got to turn from your wicked ways. You got to stop sinning. There's, there's rules that God has. You see what I mean? But they want to blur it. Okay, let's keep going. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Wow. I just want to say the Lord just confirmed to me that exposing the enemy is the right thing to do. That is what he's saying right here. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. These uh, ministries out here that are teaching people all this gross stuff that is causing people to go off the cliff to hell. They have to be exposed, Brad. Because it is hurting the church. It is causing people to uh, understand a false view of God. I'm calling it the false Jesus. False unity. It's all false because it's not real. Let's keep going. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith, uh -oh. not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Come on. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Wow. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Wow. <laughs> Jesus, help us, Lord. Profound. Because I see the Lord is showing me all this, bride. I am just now coming into all this truth. So I'm like, what the world? Okay, first of all, a half-truth can be a lie. And what they're doing is they're teaching a partial truth, but they're not teaching the whole truth that sets them free. And listen, Brad, if you love somebody, if you're a leader and you say, oh, I love my church, well, then tell them the truth. Don't tickle their ears. If you really love somebody, you will tell them the truth so they can be set free and make a right decision. You can't control what the people do. But when you tell the truth, then it's up to them what they do with it. And we are held right standing with God. 
because that's a commandment he gives us as leaders. You must tell the truth or you will answer to me for it. Let's keep going. First that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Wow. Ho, 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 ho. Man, that is the ecumenical movement, emergent church to an absolute T. The reason is because they do good works and they say that this is what makes them good Christians, which is what split the Catholics and the Protestants back in the day, Brad. Because the Protestants come in, the guy nailed the thesis on the wall, Martin Luther, and he said, justification by works is not true. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what split that doctrine, the justification doctrine, is what split the church down the middle and then we became Protestant because we protested the Catholic Church. And that's what that is saying, unto every good work reprobate. It's a stench in God's nostrils. This is so good. Let's keep going. We're on chapter 2 now, Brad. Titus chapter 2. So we're learning about drugs. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Oh my God, I'm ready to cry. Oh my gosh. You know what the Lord is revealing to me right now, Brian? And the team that's watching, listen, this is what the Lord is doing. The reason the Lord is exposing this this morning about the ecumenical movement and the emergent church because we're crying out to God today about the epidemic of drugs in our country. This is why. This is the virus, team. Is what's happening that's invaded our church and it's caused these people to not deal with their sin. That's what the word is saying right here. I feel a fire, God. I'm about to run through this house. Come on. He said, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men might be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. Which means, if you teach them the truth, they'll get delivered. That's exactly what it's saying right here. And we're crying out to God today on why our country is like this with drugs. It's because the church is sick. This is why we're repenting to a holy God. And does that not make you want to cry? Of course, I have been in the presence of the Lord. I've been plowing the fields already. So, I'm already there, <laughs> you know. Let's keep going. Help me, Jesus. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may yeah. teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, pause right there. Lord, are you giving us some meat this morning? Bribe, when I was traveling across the country, please hear my heart on this. I'm not trying to judge people. I'm just telling you what I saw. When I see these people in church with tank tops on below their bras, with their boobs hanging out, their bras hanging out, uh, no sleeves, short shorts on, no reverence for God, no fear of God. These men in their skinny jeans with their package hanging out all up in their butt. Just lustful and gross, which was built for homosexuality. And these people, that's exactly what this is saying about the women. Look, it says right here that they may teach. This is talking about the older women to the younger women. Women to be sober, don't do drugs, don't drink, keep your mind sober, to love their husbands, don't be rebellious to your husband, respect your husband, to love their children, I'm going to love you child and I'm going to train you up in the way that uh, the word tells you to, 
to be discreet, which means I am not going to put all my business out there. I'm not going to talk about my husband and put all his business out there. Be good, obedient to your husbands. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to respect him. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Wow. That is powerful. How he says it right there having to do with the women. When the women come to church and they dress so inappropriately, it's a blasphemy to God. Because think about it, right? It's common sense, okay? You're causing others to lust. You're causing eyes to be on you. You're a stumbling block when you do not cover yourself. I'm not saying you have to wear skirts to the floor and, and dresses, long sleeves, and your hair all the way down and no makeup. I'm not saying that. And I'm not knocking those that do either because the Bible says if to you, you eat meat, and to you, you don't, whatever, you know, type of deal. But discreet and modest, which means... You recognize who you are in Christ and you cover it. Okay, here's me. I'm single. I have this thinking. I'm married. I may be single without a physical husband, but I am married to the King of Kings. Nobody touches this. Nobody has a right to look at this because I'm bought with a price and I'm separate. I am consecrated. I am, you know, I have this bridal veil over me that keeps me until the natural husband comes and then at that time he will be the one that sees me he and in order for him to marry me he has to go to the lord get permission and god has to prepare him for it it's a coming together in unity in mission not for any other purpose on earth not lust not any other reason it's for mission because God has a purpose for the two souls to come together to accomplish a mission on the earth. So either way, whether you're single or you're married, you're still meant to be chaste, pure. You're still meant to be covered and you're still meant to uh, walk in sobriety. Let's keep going. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, Bride, look at what God said here to both men and women. Man, I love these Bible studies, having to do with these idols, because I'll ask the Lord, where do you want me to go? And he takes me to these random places, and every morning... It's because he's showing us something new about that idol to address. God, I just want to praise you, Lord. But look what he addresses to men and women. He tells both of them, be sober. Isn't that amazing that he speaks to both of them of the same thing? But more highly to the men does he address the communication out of the mouth. Now, why is that, Brad? Because he's the king and priest of that household. And what comes out of that mouth affects the whole household. He's got to be careful what his mouth speaks. And the power that he holds because he is the king and priest of the house. I mean, that's just my interpretation of it. Alright, so let's keep going. We're in verse 9. This is good stuff. servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. All right, pause right there. This goes for every person. Every person. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Okay, if we're to believe what the emergent church is saying, God knows all the things you're going to do in the future. Don't worry about it. That is just being negative when you're concentrating on sin. 
Well, then if that's the case, if we just got to ignore sin altogether and just do what we want, then where does this stand? When it says that to deny ungodliness, that means that takes an action. It's coming at you to be tempted, but then it causes an action upon the Christian's part which says, I am going to deny, I'm, I'm making a conscience effort to be sober. Where, and I just want to address this right now, Brad. To all of you that have done this in the world, which I was one of them that drank and partied and whatnot. We all know this. When you do those things, your defenses go completely out the window. You will sleep with people you do not even know. You will bring them in your house around your kids. You will do anything because your inhibitions are down. That's why he says be sober so that you can make good decisions. The enemy wants to weaken your defenses so the devil can come in. See what I mean? Okay, so it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously. Remember, bride, I taught you what is righteously. Righteous is right living, meaning we are choosing to live in holiness and purity. And godly, well, what does that mean to be godly? It means you are walking in the Ten Commandments. You are walking in the precepts that God has laid out for you. In this present world. All right, let's keep going. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who See, that's what I mean about that doctrine. We've got to believe that Jesus is coming back. And if you're around any minister that says Jesus is not coming back or he's already come back, you need to run for the hills. Let me tell you that right now. Because, Brian, I'm going to tell you something. And I've interviewed people of all spectrums that have believed pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And I didn't uh, look at any of them different, okay? Each of them, it's their interpretation, but they all agree he's coming back, baby. The man is coming back in the sky, and he's going to split it wide open. The difference between pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib is this. There's dangerous things about pre-trib. Why? Because it has caused people over the past 40 years to do nothing and let Satan run amok. Because they think Jesus is coming back any minute, so I'm not going to get involved in politics. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to... I'm just knowing he's going to come back. And you'll even see it. People that believe the pre-trib, you will even see it. Whenever stuff happens, like calamity, and somebody says, oh my God, I can't believe this happened, you'll hear a lot of them that believe this doctrine, and they'll say, well, Jesus is going to come back and just take us away from all this. Or, you know, you're talking about the mark of the beast. Those that believe in pre-trib tell people, some of them tell people, you can take the chip because that's not the mark of the beast because the rapture hasn't happened yet. And so that is in grave error. Then you have the mid-trib. The mid-trib believes that Jesus is coming back in the middle. After the first three and a half years, which is going to be in peace and it's going to be, you know, not very much happen, but it's the transition getting ready for the wrath. That right before the wrath is poured out on the last three and a half years, then Jesus is going to come back and take us out and then the wrath is going to happen to the sinners. Then you have the post-trib. The post-trib, which is where I lean, the post-trib says, we're going to go through this. There's going to be many die through this. There's going to be martyrdom. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of calamity. All this stuff is going to happen. And then Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take the, the people out of the grave. He's going to take his church, the ones that are left, that made it through tribulation. He's going to take them out. And then there's going to be the Battle of Armageddon. And then there's going to be the Millennial Reign, the thousand years in the Millennial Reign. Satan's going to be locked up for a thousand years 
I don't even know why I'm going into all this, but Satan's going to be locked up for a thousand years, and then, uh, you know, he's going to be loose for a season and whatnot. But anyways, the point is, all three of those, pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, they all believe that Jesus is coming back, and that's a good thing. And so really, I like to say, instead of just being post-trib, I coined the term, I am harvest trib, which means I want to get the harvest. Lord, you're coming back. It doesn't matter to me when you come back, but I want to be found working, honey, when you come back. I want to be out there swinging that sickle with the angels and grabbing that harvest, even if I get killed in the process. I'm not going to lay down because I think you're coming back tomorrow. I'm going to work even harder because time is running out. And Lord, even if you wait until the end, praise you, Jesus, because it gives us more time. And how awesome that would be to live when the wrath is poured out and then people can finally see with their eyes what is happening out there. Can you imagine the revival when people see the Antichrist on the stage? And they realize that the devil has lied to them and they have believed a lie. And now they're wanting to get saved. That's the revival. What do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? Okay, you can cut off my legs. You can cut off my arms. Yes. But you know what? While you're doing that, I am talking to my Jesus in my garden, in my heart. And you cannot take that. Because when I die, I will be with him and I will be happier. Do you see what I'm saying, Brad? Harvest is the whole point of Christianity. Souls. The Lord will take us through anything like the children of Israel. That was a great example of how the Lord will provide. And he will provide for us. He sure will. All right, let's keep going. Lord, this is good stuff. Well, hey, we're on verse 14. And he just said in verse 13, Look for that blessing hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people what? zealous of good works. What? These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Ho, 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 ho. In your face, devil. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. It says it right here, right there is the word of God. Right here. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. The emergent church, the ecumenical movement, live in your iniquity, people. Just live there. It'll be fine. Love. Just love. Yes, you love, but love tells the truth. Come on now. And it says that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself. Boy, if y'all didn't get to watch that sermon from Pastor Anthony Daly that I put on my wall the other day, you have got to listen to it. That. that was so amazing. Listen, this is what he did. Thank you, Belinda. Okay, he was talking about a tree, right? And when a tree gets saved, it has all these branches of sin on it, which is outward manifestations of it. Drugs, drinking, smoking, cussing, you know, all the stuff. Okay, so when we get saved, Jesus takes that axe and he starts cutting off that limb of drinking. Cuts off that limb of addiction to drugs. Cuts off that limb of addiction to cigarettes. Cuts off that limb of cussing. So he cuts off all these outward manifestations on our tree. Why? Because he wants to be seen through you. He wants to heal you. Then when it's just the base of the tree standing there, then he goes inside and he starts cleaning and gutting the inside of that tree. Pulling out jealousy. Lying. Wrong motives. Deceit. You know, he starts pulling all this out. To where the tree just starts doing this and then just falls over. And that's where God can use you. Bam! In your face, devil. That is exactly what God wants. 
And if the emergent church and the ecumenical movement does not ever want that. Why? Because they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to change. They want people to accept them in their filthy lucre and in their filthy sins. That is the difference between the emergent church. No, here's the emergent church. Ah! Ah! In my sin. And then you have the real bride is like this. I have to die. Christianity is death. We have to die in order to gain. And what does the Bible say, bride? If you love your life more than you do him, you're not worthy of the kingdom. Come on now. That is false teaching and false doctrine. So he says right here, purifying to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Come on now. Pure unto himself a peculiar people. Different. We're not called to look like Egypt. We're not called to act like Egypt. We're not called to bring in Egypt in the church. We're not called to stand up on the sanctuary and sing I love rock and roll doing the devil horns as a minister of the gospel and having the church up there with children up there seeing this ungodly mess. So what does the Bible say? These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. All authority. And let no man despise you. Come on now. We're on to chapter 3. This is so good, Brian. Hallelujah. Titus 3. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Yes. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, yes. by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life okay pause 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 that is the scripture probably that martin luther used to separate us from the catholics because they believe that it's you have to work yourself to get into heaven remember in the catholic faith you have to do penitence you have to pay all this extra money when your loved ones die because now they're hanging in purgatory and you have to pay enough money to keep them out of hell. That they have a chance once they die to get over their sins and then you help pay cash to get them out into heaven. It's abomination. Idolatry to the absolute core. But he's saying right here that being justified by his grace that we should be made heirs it's not by works, of course. It's not by works. They try to say by works. We say it's by grace. But we do works just because we obey the Lord, not that we have to to get to salvation. That's the difference. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Oh, knowing man. that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Wow. But I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. Wow. And that ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. All right, bride. This is some good stuff. 
first of all, when he was talking to them, he was telling them, look, I got some people coming with me and make sure there is nothing that they want that they don't get. That is pretty cool. All right, Brad, listen, I pray that this has encouraged you this morning. The Lord showed us in his word that the reason these people are bound up on drugs is because it's the church's fault. That's exactly right. Because we're not teaching the pure truth. And we are causing people to not change, to not be cleansed, and to not be healed. First of all, we're not casting demons out. Where is the demons being cast out today? We've got these people bound up with sorrow, and bound up with hurt, and bound up with pain. And they've allowed these demons to come in and then they come into the church and all we do is give them an entertainment show. Like that video I showed you last night. Was that not gross what they're doing in the sanctuaries? God help the church today. We're just doing flat out entertainment. It is a show. No deliverance, no healing, no people coming to the altar crying out to God for hours and having women of God that have been through and done that stand up behind them, lay hands on them and believe God that this person is not leaving this altar until they get delivered and then demons come out. God help the church. And you know what? We cannot even address demons because we're not addressing sin. How can we address demons if we're not even admitting that sin exists? We're not even admitting that people can go to hell. We've completely taken out hell. We just don't even believe in hell no more. So, look, you can get saved by just saying, Jesus, I want you to come in my heart. Thank you so much. Take me to the destination you want me to, Lord. Instead of doing what the Romans say you have to do in salvation. You must confess with your mouth and turn from your wicked ways. You have got to repent. God cannot be around sin, people. He requires holiness. He requires you to, uh, you know, give him your body as a living sacrifice. I like to tell people, okay, when you get married, you take on the identity of your husband. Okay? It's the same with us when we get married, when we get saved. We're marrying Jesus, basically. And we are taking on his identity. Let's take this ring here. Alright, Jesus, this is what we're saying. I'm going to give you a little visual here. Jesus, I see what you did when you laid down your life for me. And you died for my sins. So that I can go to heaven and be set free and you will help me to live. Because when I accept you in my heart, then you're going to bring the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has already convicted me, but you're going to bring the Holy Ghost to help me live out this life. I recognize what you did for me and the price that you paid for me. Alright, then I take my flesh, alright. I place his promises and his death upon my finger, right. And then I say, okay, Lord, I accept the price that you paid for me. So I am going to exchange my love for you and I'm going to die. I'm going to lay down my life as your wife and I'm going to say, Lord, you can have it all. You can have my drinking habit. You can have my sexual habit. You can have my drugs. You can have my smoking, whatever the sin that we have. You can have it all, Lord. I lay it down, giving it to you. I die for him, and he dies for me. That's the true love story. Not the love story that they're trying to reflect to you today. You have to die. Christianity is death. We die daily. And so, that's what it is, see? You marry him, and then you live in honor of him. You honor him with your daily living. Your body is not your own. That's why we don't have a right to do with it all this mess. We don't have a right to go out here and have sex with people. We don't have a right to uh, go in these uh, bars and in these strip clubs and participate in this debauchery. 
We Our body's been bought with a price. You know, he's with us everywhere we go. I mean, we don't want to participate and, you know, we need to protect what is on the inside of us like it's Fort Knox. This anointing that the Lord has given us, we need to protect like Fort Knox. So it causes us to have to walk righteously and upright, which means we protect our anointing by right living. I'm going to tell y'all what, when a person is, you know, walking upright and they have the anointing and all this other stuff, if they go out and have sex just one time, I'm going to tell y'all, I've seen it in ministers. I've seen this happen. If they have sex one time with somebody, that anointing just goes like this. It just like drains and leaves you. It is crazy what happens when you participate in that. That's why these ministers that cheat on their wives need to sit down. They should not be continually pouring out because now they're pouring out of the wrong spirit. They need to sit down for a while and be refreshed. They need to get filled and forgiven. And then they need to make it right with that wife. You see what I mean? Like they need to keep their track going in the right direction. They need to quit giving and begin receiving. Because God wants to heal them. Something caused them. You know the Bible says that you do not act upon sin except lust would already be there. Which means these people that say, I just cheated on you in one night and it just happened all of a sudden. I didn't know it just happened. No, that's not true. You have been watching pornography. You have been lusting after women. And then when the opportunity came, you acted on it. And in bride, if that was not the truth, let's say me, alright, drugs does not tempt me a bit. It never was a thing in my life. If somebody come to my door and asked me to do drugs, I would just be like, I rebuke you, Satan. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole, you know? Uh, if lust was in my heart towards something and the opportunity arose and then I took it, the lust was already there. So we just have to keep our hearts clean. Amen. All right, bride. We learned a lot from the Lord today about drugs. We need to take the responsibility on our shoulders before the throne and ask God to forgive us as a church because we quit teaching truth and now these people are bound up out here. So I thank uh, the Lord for our time together today. This has been amazing. I've learned a lot in this Bible study. I learn a lot just like y'all do, Brad. So God bless you. I got to get in here with my team. We're fixing to meet and pray. God bless you.